This is the Wrestling with Edwards podcast with your host, Scotty Wrestling. How are we doing, ladies and gentlemen? This has been an eventful week, to say the least. Uh, a lot of releases, a lot of rumors, and a lot of wrestling. Um, if you're a big fan of Japanese wrestling like myself, this past weekend might have been one of the best, if not the best, all year in terms of overall matches and just quality quality wrestling that being said this podcast for the most part talks about what's happening around here in the united states so we will get into a bunch of wwe rumors wwe release um and aew we'll not be discussing nxt this week uh it was just you know kind of a nothing show once again uh, I was thinking it was taped, so we'll jump back into that next week. But we will cover ground on SmackDown and Raw. First off, I just want to give a shout-out to two matches from this weekend. One was Momo Watanabe versus Mayu Iwatani from the first night of the five-star Grand Prix. An absolutely incredible match, what I think is probably the match of the tournament. And that's saying a lot because there was some incredible, incredible action on night one and night two. You had Siri versus Saya Kamatani. You had Julia versus Starlight Kid, which was really good. You had the main event that night, Utami versus Micah. And on night two, you had Mayu versus Julia, which was one of... Another just phenomenal match. I think that would probably be my number two match of the tournament so far. Um, Siri versus Micah, which I really loved. Yeah, so if you're not checking out Stardom, I don't know how many times I have to say it. And definitely check out the five-star podcast on Fight Game Media's Patreon. Uh, air, uh, it goes live every Friday, and you will hear all my thoughts on all of those matches and my last shout out um, wrestling wise goes to Dragon Gate on this one I have not watched the day two of Kobe World yet but I did watch day one and Shun Skywalker versus KZ was one of the best matches of the entire year I think what KZ is able to do what Skywalker 
just his presence overall, what he's able to do in the ring, made for a great, great main event match that night. Uh, it it's a ma- it's a, that type of match that makes you want to come back for more, and I think that's the most important thing when watching something like Dragon Gate. Um, I will definitely be going back for more, but that's definitely a match to check out. Now let's get to our usual scheduled broadcast, and we're gonna start with Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt was officially released on Saturday, July 31st, this past week, and and for many people, including myself, it was a complete shock. We never, you know, Bray hasn't been on TV since WrestleMania. He hasn't, but he was part of ads for August. He... Still had new merchandise. He was one of the top merchandise sellers in the company. So that alone makes this shocking. But then, the moment it happened, I thought back to what they've been doing with the Alexa Bliss stuff. And they have went out of their way to not talk about The Fiend, not put Bray in any of the videos from Alexa Bliss's, you know, background or how she got to where she is now. They didn't put any of that together. They did none of it. And I thought, well, this is just because he's not going to be around for a little bit because that's what they did with Roman Reigns last year when Roman Reigns said, I'm going home and, you know, spent... WrestleMania to SummerSlam off and I thought that was really just going to be the same for Bray he'd come back this month and he would be right back in it maybe the theme would be fresh maybe the theme would be a little bit new That there was multiple ways to go with this but instead he has been released due to budget cuts and you've probably heard so many people tweet talk about write whatever about Bray Wyatt and the mishandling of who he is, who he was, and who his character has been for years now. But with him ultimately done in the WWE, and I think probably for good, I think back and I remember a lot of good more than anything for Bray Wyatt. I remember the creativity that came with him as the cult leader, the Wyatt family. I remember how fresh and new that was. It didn't feel out of place because his promos were among the best things. And that first year or so, you know, before his first WrestleMania, where he took out Kane and he feuded with Daniel Bryan, and the Wyatt family faced off with the Shield. Like, all of that, to me, was a hit and a hit. They were all hits. There was nothing there that felt wrong. Like, everything felt as though it was right. And 
Bray Wyatt was this guy who was their next main event star. Everything felt right. And the story goes, as everyone knows, he lost to John Cena. And the loss to John Cena really hurt that momentum. But, but, we got to a point, you know, in 2016, where they made Bray Wyatt one of the faces of SmackDown. And it it was like a complete reset because there was a couple years there where Bray was, you know, he was losing and losing and fighting Roman and losing and um, I remember the promos. It was like, it's because he, it's not your fault, Roman, or something like that. It got too much. But this is the thing with professional wrestling as a whole, not just WWE. You can make anyone feel important if you start having them win. That is how this works. And that is what they did with Bray Wyatt, and people loved it. They brought the Wyatt family back. Bray Wyatt with Randy Orton, Luke Harper, and Eric Rowan. Eric Rowan eventually got hurt. But the story was there. They won the tag team titles. They won the Survivor Series match for SmackDown. Randy and Bray. They Bray pinned Roman in the middle of the ring. There's been so many moments like this for Bray Wyatt that we could think back to that were so cool, and they the fans wanted to embrace it. And this seemed to be the time that WWE was finally embracing it. Because if you think back to the years where Bray Wyatt looked like he was going to turn babyface, you know, he teamed with Roman that one time, he got in the face of Triple H ahead of WrestleMania, and people wanted that, people ate that up. But they they just had never turned the corner and agreed to doing something like this. And that's really where the Bray Wyatt character began to falter. They had their second chance with the Randy Orton stuff. Bray Wyatt wins his first, his first singles championship, his first world championship inside Elimination Chamber, winning the WWE title in what many two... Many believe to be the best Elimination Chamber match of the past like decade. One of the best they've ever done. Everything about it was perfect. And when Bray Wyatt caught AJ Styles from the Phenomenal Forearm and hit him with Sister Abigail. My God. The place became unglued. Bray Wyatt pinned him in the middle of the ring. One, two, three. And just like that. Just like that. Bray Wyatt was back. Bray Wyatt was everything he should have been. There was, to me, no going back. And not even two months later, they went back. He had the terrible match at WrestleMania with Randy Orton with the bugs on the screen. He lost the WWE Championship. They had the... Wyatt House of Horror match. That was terrible. He won that, but that was really it. Uh, he went into some stuff with Matt Hardy, which they, I, they won the tag team titles maybe the next year. Uh, and then he disappeared. It, it was an absolute fall from grace for a guy that should have been set for the main event, should have had that WWE title for months, could have made a reign, because if he has that title for months... He doesn't necessarily fall down 
and fall out of where he should be as a competitor, as a star. And then The Fiend was born. The Firefly Funhouse stuff was new. It was unique. I loved it. A lot of people loved it because no one knew what to expect. And every week it was like, okay, all right, where's this reveal? Because there's going to be something here. He's not just going to be Mr. Rogers. There's going to be something here. And then the first moment that they showed the Fiend on camera, people loved it, including myself. And The Fiend could have been a great character for this company. But the problem is, is that they booked him to be this untouchable, no-selling monster. That the moment, the moment that he lost a match or looked weak, the character would die. It's a character that got Bray back to the world title. He won the Universal Championship in Saudi Arabia. Uh, But it was only a month before that they had that horrendous Hell in a Cell finish. Seth Rollins, The Fiend, The Red Light. Everything was bad about it. Everything. But you go back to that first match The Fiend ever had. Against Finn Balor. Middle of the ring. That entrance. My goodness. Everyone ate that up. It was the coolest entrance we had seen in years. Ultimate star power. He pins Finn Balor. He doesn't feel that OP or anything. It's the Hell in a Cell match that really killed The Fiend very quickly. And when he won the Universal title, it would not be soon after that February of last year, he would take one jackhammer in a three-minute match from Goldberg, get pinned in the middle of the ring, one, two, three, look like an absolute chump. And that, for me, was history for The Fiend. He had that really fun segment match, whatever you want to call it, with John Cena at WrestleMania, but that wasn't going to get him back. He had a brutally long feud with Bray uh, Braun Strowman. Won the title back from Braun. But that's when Roman Reigns came back. And Roman Reigns, who is in the best part of his career, has been there since. And then, you know, we go on to the Bray and Alexa stuff. And that could have been something special. But it wasn't. It just never got to the point of something special. And that goes back to The Fiend because the way they built him up is that you couldn't watch him lose and he lost by one RKO in the middle of the ring at WrestleMania. It was the same sense of what are we doing here? If you're going to build him up to be this indestructible monster and then just beat him in seconds, then what's the point? There's ways around doing that. They did it with Undertaker for three decades. That being said, Bray Wyatt is one of the true massive free agents in professional wrestling right now. And I'm hopeful that he goes somewhere. Maybe he brings Bo with him. 
because I was on the Cody Rhodes conference call um, the other day, and someone, I believe it was Nick Hausman of Wrestling Inc., asked him about Bray Wyatt and a potential fit in the company. And, of course, Cody, you know, didn't say, like, he's going to get signed here or anything, but he said that Bray is one of the most creative people he's ever met in pro wrestling. And that if he has any passion left, he's going to do amazing things. And I agree. I agree. He's going to do amazing things. It's just a matter of where. And to me, anywhere is a fit for Bray Wyatt, depending on what he is doing. I think he goes back to Bray Wyatt. Um, you know, he takes on his real name of Wyndham. I think that would be great. Um, I know he has on his Instagram, it says the cult of Wyndham coming soon. Uh, that's never, I, I, that's been there for a while now, I think, but it's time. It's time you use that. This is your chance. And you know, you know, Bray Wyatt has more characters in that, uh, head. You know, he does. And I'm excited to see what he can do because the ultimate way to say this is WWE never, never fully appreciated what they had with Bray Wyatt. And for that, I'm hopeful that the moment he comes back to wrestling in some form is where he finally finds his footing once and for all. Because we have seen him be special. And now it's time he gets to be special all the time. All right, so let's let's jump over to SmackDown real quick. Um, it was a relatively fine show. Um, so there was the contract signing for the match between Roman Reigns and Finn Balor. Universal Championship going to SummerSlam. Finn's getting ready to sign. Baron Corbin, who had appeared earlier in the night asking John Cena for money, takes out Finn, grabs a contract, is about to sign it, essentially pretty much stealing Finn's match right from under him. This is when John Cena comes running down to the ring. He takes out Corbin. He grabs the contract. He stares it down. He grabs a Sharpie. He signs that mofo. And for good... That match is made. Roman Reigns versus John Cena made official. Roman Reigns has all the anger on his face. It was a wonderful segment. And it was made official. Roman Reigns, John Cena, SummerSlam main event, Universal Championship. You can't get much bigger than that. The only thing bigger than that is Roman Reigns versus The Rock. And that might be happening down the line. But either way... Roman Reigns versus John Cena. This is the match that everyone has been waiting for for years. Roman wasn't on the level, and they did it at no mercy the first time we did this. Now Roman Reigns is on that level. He's on the level of John Cena. This is going to be great, and the build-up to this is going to be great. It's already been great, so I'm really looking forward to that. The other notable part from Friday Night Smackdown was the return of the boss, Sasha Banks. 
The crowd loved it. She came out. She saved Bianca from a beatdown via Carmella and Selena Vega. Hugging Belair. Um, very happy. Dancing to the song. Yada, yada, yada. May official in the main event. It will be Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair versus Carmella and Zelita Vega. And Bianca was a little stunned that, you know, that celebration was happening because, yeah, they had their SPs moment and they had their WrestleMania moment, but that didn't mean that Banks was a different person. And that's that was one of the key telling points. Like, originally, Bianca was kind of shocked, but she fell for it. She embraced it, and that, that's where it really falls off. So... I believe Sasha made Carmella tap out. And after the match is where Sasha Banks made her turn. She hits the backbreaker on Bianca Belair. She starts unloading punches. Boom, 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 boom. Locks in the bank statement. You see Bianca tap out in the middle of the ring. Banks gets up, holds the title up. It all felt right. We have our two top SmackDown matches. It'll be Bianca Belair versus Sasha Banks in the WrestleMania rematch. And whoever thinks this shouldn't be happening as a rematch, I think it is the perfect match. It makes the most sense. It is a big match. People have been dying to see it. They didn't waste it on an Extreme Rules or whatever the hell shows we had. Hell in a Cell. Hell in a Cell. They didn't waste it there. No, 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 no. We're doing it now. We're we're doing now at SummerSlam. It has that bigger feel. Sasha's fresh as a daisy. This is going to be great. This is going to be great. Let's get on to Monday Night Raw. And now I, you know... I think I'm pretty good when it comes to you know, the weekly. Oh, I'm not going to sit here and shit on Raw. No, no, no. That's not what I'm going to do. That's not what I'm going to do. Except for this week, I am. You have a lively crowd in Chicago, Illinois. Lively crowd. Pretty much the day that the United Center is sold out by AEW. And it's... It's not the same place. They're in the All-State Arena. But Chicago never fails to deliver the best crowd in wrestling. I will say that right now. The only people that compete with them, the UK. And the fact, the fact that they put on a show like this for this crowd, oof, oh boy. Ooh boy, not not great. Uh, we will talk about the few good things. Uh, Mustafa Ali had the loudest reaction of the night. Uh, eh, second loudest, second loudest reaction of the night. Um, people loved him. People absolutely loved him, and it was as expected. He's from Chicago. He felt like a star. He felt important. It reminded me. Of how many times I've said, why don't we just believe in Mustafa Ali? Um, they're regulating him to a tag team with Mansoor, which is fine because I think Mansoor is very good. But I think, you know, both should be single stars competing for titles. That's my whole thing. Um, I, I forgot to add that there were multiple times where WWE clearly 
played audio over the crowd for Goldberg. It was very clear. Um, it was clear all night for some people. So, but Chicago got their voices in, especially when it was time for the rematch between Karrion Cross and Keith Lee. People fucking love Keith Lee. I can't tell you enough how many people love Keith Lee. And there's a reason for that. And that's because he should be a star. He is a star, no matter how WWE books him. And the fact that they did this rematch was absurd. And you could feel throughout the match, this is this is this is the time for Keith Lee. He needs to win this. The crowd was behind him in a in a power bomb. One, two, three in the middle. The crowd embraced Keith Lee. Keith Lee embraced them. He felt, he looked relieved on his face. He looked into the air. The Chicago crowd was loving it. This was probably the biggest pop of the night when he won because people love Keith Lee. I can't say it enough. Uh, Charlotte Flair and Nikki A.S.H. had a solid main event uh, where Nikki A.S.H. actually pinned Charlotte Flair in the middle of the ring. Other than that, I don't care. Moving on. As I said at the top of the show, we will not be discussing NXT, but, but, we will be discussing Adam Cole Baby. The rumors have been running rampant this week that Adam Cole did not sign the contract extension that many people believed he did. And it has been since proven correct on multiple sources. I believe Fightful, Wrestling Inc., and PW Insider have all confirmed that this is the truth. Adam Cole's contract actually expired following the Great American Bash, but he was willing to extend it until after SummerSlam. And by all accounts, he has not signed a brand new contract as he is weighing his options. And here's why this is a problem for WWE more than anything else. I've been saying it all week on Twitter. Adam Cole is a man who said that his one goal, the one place he wants to be, growing up, and even when he was you know, in Bullet Club and experience, he wanted to be in WWE. And he's there. But the fact that despite his incredible NXT run that he's considering leaving tells you all you need to know about WWE right now. To me, the moment that he really rethought about this all had to be the continuous releases of his friends. There's video of him learning about Tyler Breeze and it really hit him. And here's the thing. Up, up, down, down. I know that's like something he really loves. And the Uno games they play, those could be gone very soon when Tyler Breeze signs a contract somewhere else. 
And if that's what holds Adam Cole back in his wrestling career, then we need to really check if Adam Cole cares about wrestling. I don't think that holds him back. So take into account the multiple releases, and this one's a big one, I think. Take into account the way that Vince McMahon is handling carrying Cross on the main roster. Not only has he already lost twice while holding the NXT title, but if Vince McMahon's going to do that to a guy that people define as the perfect uh, player for Vince McMahon's, you know, vision, then what the hell would happen to Adam Cole? Because Adam Cole is a far more talented professional wrestler than Karrion Cross, but he doesn't have the size. And I think Karrion Cross handles himself enough that that size should make him a star. But he lost night one to Jeff Hardy. He beat Keith Lee last week, and they lost to Keith Lee again. Look at Keith Lee. Keith Lee is much bigger than Adam Cole. Keith Lee has everything it takes. He can talk. He can wrestle. He has everything you want in someone like a professional, just someone as a professional wrestler. Adam Cole's one detriment when it comes to being in the WWE is that he is not very tall. I never thought that would stop him. I always have thought his talent, much like AJ Styles, much like Daniel Bryan, he'll get through. No matter what, he will get through because he is a bona fide star. But it seems clear now that he's not too sure what his what his ceiling is. Because he shouldn't have a ceiling. That's the whole thing. But it certainly seems like he does. He, If you told me that Adam Cole never won the world title in WWE in a decade, I'd say, first of all, that's a joke because he should be world champion yesterday. Second, then they wasted his entire career. And I understand why he's having a tough time, you know, signing on the dotted line with WWE when you're not even too sure if you have a future in this company to the point where you think you can do something. And let's let's put the facts on the table here. Many of his great friends are in AEW. The Elite, the Bullet Club, whatever you want to call them, they were his friends. The Young Bucks and Adam Cole, from all counts, sound best friends. Oh, and I don't know if you people know this, Adam Cole's fiance, girlfriend, I'm not too sure. Britt Baker is the AEW Women's World Champion. There's no reason that Adam Cole stays in WWE unless he believes that he can get past what Vince McMahon does to talent and he can become that world champion. And I don't know if he believes that. Adam Cole is a top-tier talent, and if he walks out of WWE at the end of August, that tells you a lot about the state of the company. That being said, 
I think Adam Cole does leave. But we'll have to see. Now let's get into AEW before we wrap up this wonderful show. It's just another week of AEW being very notable. It was AEW Dynamite Homecoming back in Jacksonville once again because, you know, the four weeks off was just too long for them to handle. The show kicked off with the third labor of Jericho. It was Chris Jericho versus Juventud Guerrera for the opportunity to continue his quest in facing MGF likely at um hmm, where is he all out all out that's embarrassing uh this match was not great it was you know two older guys just trying to relate the spark that wasn't there uh Jericho had to win by hitting a top rope move he hit a top rope Judas effect to win the match, pinning Guerrero in the ring. One, two, three, after the match, Wardlow attacked, um, and it was made official by MJF that the final um, labor of Jericho to get to MJF will be against Wardlow, and MJF will be right by Wardlow's side at ringside. Hangman Page in a backstage segment, told the Dark Order that he can no longer depend on them to have his back because he needs to fight his own battles, especially after failing them last week. This is what he said. Uh, he can't. He can't just depend on them all the time. He needs to fight his own battles, and we'd see later in the night. That's exactly what happened. Uh, we had a tag team match between John Moxley, Eddie Kingston, Darby Allen, facing off with Daniel Garcia and the former Everize, now known as 2.0. You want to take a swing at me? Yeah, those I love those guys. So I'm very happy that they not only got on the show, but they created this little group with Daniel Garcia. Uh, they're so funny. So uh, I wouldn't be shocked if AEW snatched them right up. Not a not only is it a great tag team to add, but you can do the show and stuff, which is just great because the show rules, ever rise rules, 2.0 rules, ladies and gentlemen. Um, there's a oh, of course, John, Eddie, and Darby won that match. They teamed really well together. I thought. Uh, they really had the crowd bopping. The crowd absolutely loved this. You put three of the most popular stars in the ring together, that's what's going to happen. Uh, the Elite were in the back, and they were t playing basketball, and they're in, they were talking about how they no longer have challengers. The Young Bucks made a great point of who's going to face us because we have no one. It's not going to be the Varsity Blondes. It's not going to be the Acclaimed. Who's going to step up to the Young Bucks with All Out just four weeks away? Question mark. Sounds right. Who's going to step up? And we aren't sure, but they did surely hint at Christian Cage being the one to do that. So out came Christian. Uh, Christian faced off with the Blade. He beat the Blade because who doesn't beat the Blade? Um, it was a fine match. Really not much there. 
uh, I'm realizing how much of a nothing show some of this was. Uh, Britt Baker versus Red Velvet has been made official for the first episode of AEW Rampage in Pittsburgh next Friday because Red Velvet came down to the ring and she said, I'm no longer an enhancement talent. I'm 24-2 and two or something like that, and I've won seven in a row, and I'll beat you up and something, something. So Britt's getting a title defense in, in her hometown. They got a big match for Rampage. All sounds good. All makes sense. Everything makes sense there. You've got a big match for week one of Rampage. Brit in Pittsburgh. It'll be interesting to see how they do that first night because depending on Brit is, I think, a smart move, but also you got to fully believe in her for such a big debut of a show. So that'll be interesting to see. Hangman Page came down to the ring to further discuss why he's kind of moved on um, telling the Dark Order to not help him anymore. And that's when the Elite came out. And the attack was on. They beat Hangman Page down in the middle of the ring brutally. The Dark Order were running out to make the save. But Stu Grayson and Evil Uno stopped them. Because they needed to let Adam Hangman Page wrestle his own battles. That's what he asked for. And that's the way they were going to do it. Page took a magic killer from Gallows and Anderson. He took multiple BTE triggers to the skull before the Elite walked off. Frankie Kazarian tried to fight them off, but there was no way that was happening. Hangman Page was left in the middle of the ring, down and out. This story is nowhere close to dying, but this could be what writes off Hangman Page for the next couple of weeks. Miro defended the TNT Championship against Lee Johnson. Johnson got a lot in this match. I think it probably shocked a lot of people, including myself. Uh, Miro still remains the dominant champion, but I thought this was a good match for what it was. Dan Lambert of American Top Team made his uh, slight return where he said he's coming to AEW next week and he's bringing back up. Seemingly to uh, face off with Lance Archer, the IWGP United States champion. Uh, Layla Hirsch versus The Bunny. The winner becomes the number one contender for the NWA World Women's Championship. Camille was in the front row. That was um, interesting. Camille, of course, is the champion. Um, Layla Hirsch won the match, and I guess this was mostly just to get the visual of how much shorter Layla Hirsch is than Camille. But, hey... Good for, good for Layla Hirsch. I wonder when this match will happen. I wonder if it will be on AEW television. If so, that will be Camille's debut. Otherwise, um, good for Layla Hirsch. It was a pretty solid match. Nothing special. And that's that. But this entire show was about the main event. The in-ring debut of Malachi Black. Darkness versus Light versus Cody Rhodes. Malachi had the entrance, the presentation that he always should have had. Everything about him felt special. And that is how you make a star, ladies and gentlemen. He wore this cool mask. His entrance was mostly all in the dark. 
Um, the silhouette of his body was so cool. And he just sat there and witnessed what Cody's entrance was. He didn't make a move. And in the end, Malachi Black destroyed Cody Rhodes. He sent him crashing down from the top rope with a knee to the skull. Um, he went through the table on the outside, and that was the beginning of the end. Cody just made it into the ring before the 10 count, while Malachi Black hit him with the Black Mass spin kick for the win. He pinned him with one foot. He didn't even go down. He just put his one foot on him. One, two, three. This is how you make a new main event star. Cody Rhodes was willing to do this last year with Brody Lee. He has now done it with Malachi Black, and this might have been that much more effective because it was Malachi Black's first match. After Cody Rhodes was hinting at retirement, he was starting to take his boots off before Malachi came back down to the ring and smashed him with a crutch to end the show. Uh, So Cody could be nearing his retirement in the future, which is something he hinted on also in the conference call, so that would not be shocking. But this was all about Malachi Black. You wanted to make him more of a heel, but even more so than anything, you wanted him to look like a star. And that is what AEW accomplished on Wednesday night. That is what we call a job well done. So that's it from me this week. Uh, We talked about a lot. Uh, Next week we have more of the same. We'll be talking SmackDown, Raw, AEW, and we'll be talking about NXT again. Um, If we have as much of an eventful week as we did this week, then, oh, oh boy, here we go. Uh, That being said, thank you for joining. Thank you for listening. You can check out all of my content on multiple platforms whether it be last word on sports fight game media inside the ropes voices of wrestling or daily ddt for article content you can also check out my joshi podcast at the five star podcast on fight game media's patreon and you can check out my twitter at scott e wrestling Otherwise, everyone have a great, great week, and I'll talk to you again next time. See you guys. また美学でしょう夢見